Ladies and gents, Tyson Popplestone here. This is the Relax Running Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hey, on the show today is an old buddy of mine. I, uh, I first met Craig when I moved back to Victoria after having spent some time in WA. I was about 14 years old and just started going to Gippsland Grammar. And this little speed demon was was running around and uh, and and showing me how it's done in a few races. It was it was incredible to watch this guy's progression um, from the age of twelve, where Craig he was already running quick, to the age of twenty uh, when he ran three thirty six. It was it was pretty exciting to to see what was on the the uh, cards for this guy. And unfortunately for anyone who knows Craig, he's struggled a bit the last few years with some some frustrating injuries which has really limited his ability to be able to get out onto the track and um, show how talented he is but uh, things are starting to look positive so let me just give you a bit of a background on Craig if you don't know much about him he's run 336 for 1500 meters which he ran at age 20 uh, he ran 353 for the mile in uh, at New York, Fifth Avenue mile, to be beaten by Lagat, Centruitz and Leo Monzano, which was just a, like a terrifying run. I remember watching him run that and just thinking, oh my gosh, what is this kid going to do? Um, recently, he's just dropped a 357 mile in Hawaii and his name started to be brought up a few times uh, amongst the running circles. And uh, I'm really excited because I think this is the longest I've seen Huff tie together some consistent training and I know with the talent that this guy has and with his uh, commitment and passion for the sport that big things are, are just on the horizon for him so so keep a really close lookout for his name I, I think I've got money on it I think you're going to see some big things in the next 12 months um Craig's over in Flagstaff at the moment training with Olympic bronze silver medalist Nick Willis uh, he's he's training under the guidance of some really great athletes, and uh, it was really good just to pick his brain about how he's dealt with the injury, how he deals with the frustration that comes with a sport like running. And I think one thing that's super clear from a bloke like Craig is, or anyone who's had to navigate some difficult times and some frustrations, is he has a what's a really healthy perspective on the sport, and it's a, it's a really refreshing perspective. If I'm honest, it's a, I think if you're a young athlete and you're struggling with you know, just constantly obsessing with your running, Craig's going to have some really good guidance for you. So I encourage you to uh, to take some notes. Craig's in Flagstaff at the moment up in the mountains and uh, we had a couple of little technical difficulties through this episode. So we cut out a few times and um, I don't think you can tell too much, but unfortunately um, we missed out on about the last five minutes of the interview because it, it cut out. I called him back and, uh, and for whatever reason, the thing didn't record. So, um, it closes out at about 40 minutes. We, we were pretty much just closing the conversation just after it cut out anyway, so we didn't miss too much more. But, um, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a fun one for me to sit down with Craig and have a chat, and uh, I'm just excited because I know there's a lot from this chat that you guys are going to be able to apply to your running. So let me get out of your way and introduce to you the great man, Craig Huffer. <laughs> Where are, where are you at the moment? Where are you, where are you located? I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. So up in the mountains. Uh, and then I head down to Michigan on next Wednesday for an indoor race. I'm going to run the first University of Michigan home meet. I'm going to run a 3,000 meters there. So it's been, uh, been up here for four weeks. Before that, I raced a road mile in Honolulu. Um, and then, yeah, so just building up the fitness 
getting ready for the Aussie season and just having some good fun with it. So it's kind of a, a bit different this year. I guess it's, um, you know, coming to the twilight end of my career. Well, I'm actually starting to feel finally good after 10 years. But, uh, you know, it's also coming to Nick's, Nick Willis, my training partner, his twilight end of his career as well. So it was kind of like one of those opportunities where I would finally be fit and healthy and we could train together. So that I'd slip up here while I could get some time off work and, uh, and train away with Nick and see what happens. So just having a lot of fun with it while I can. I was having a little look at his Instagram profile before, and I saw you guys flying around the indoor track. You are—you uh, look like you're moving well, Huff. And you, what you ran three fifty-seven in Honolulu, did you? Yeah, mate, you yeah, were. Jordan Guzman told me you were in form. I didn't realize that you were in that kind of form. That was incredible. Yeah, it's just—I don't know. It's—it's it's a weird situation. Like, yes, year after year, and I've always had these so many surgeries and. Uh, you know, a number of Achilles surgeries and ITV surgery, ITV release, and I've lost count of how many stresses I've had over the years. So um, it's been like this cumulative effect and just one thing after another. And finally, you know, I'd kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's the end of my running. But at the same time, I'd have those surgeries. I'm like, all right, I need to get myself healthy at least for the rest of my life. Like you don't do, if you don't go and do those general rehab things, then you're never going to be you know, right for the rest of your life, you're always going to have still symptoms. So I always took the professional approach. And then you know, after you have a little bit of time off the track, you kind of, uh, you know, you're getting those competitive juices going. You're like, hey, I've still got this. So, But I just never, ever had that strength through my legs. I was never getting that same pop off the ground. But somehow, I don't know, probably about four or five months ago, um, yeah, I just seemed to come back and I was just – just mate was had a wedding over in Michigan so I went over and jumped on the track and uh first pretty much 24 hours within getting over to Michigan Ronnie's like oh just jump in and work out Willis and I was like hey I've still got this so it just like I don't know it feels as if in uh in cricket terms you know been playing in the nets for a fair while just haven't been timing the shots but finally I'm starting to get that sweet timing of the shots I'm not hitting the ball for six yet but I'm I'm feeling the nice time of the shots yeah, beautiful, far out. I tell you what, I reckon even if I was hitting them for six, I was nowhere near three fifty-seven when I was running. So I'm uh, I'm excited for you. I've, I've got I was saying on the podcast the other day uh, that I've got I've got tickets on you. I don't know if we're coming to the twilight of your career because I've got tickets on you to make the team uh, going into Tokyo this year. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come through with the goods, Huff, and, and make me look really really good. Yeah, I don't know. Are <laughs> hey, you um, so so? What's the plan? You're gonna run the. Th- Sorry, man. You're gonna Sorry, run, mate. you're gonna run the three k over in Michigan in a couple of weeks' time, and watch that. That's just like a a big blowout the I cobwebs just, and and see what kind of form you're in. Yeah, just uh, blow out the cobwebs. I've actually never broken eight minutes of three k. I barely ran a three k. I think uh, probably about the last time I ran a three k was in Boston a long time ago, and um, yeah, nearly got lapped by some Ethiopian who lost his shoe <laughs> after about the second. So. It's about as good as I am at 3K. So we'll see how it goes. We'll have some fun. I'm trying to get one of uh, Mason Furlick, who's a really good uh, stable chase runner over here in America. He's based in Ann Arbor. I went to University of Michigan. So hopefully he can join the 3K party and he can uh, kind of help drag me along and, you know, who knows. 
Yeah, far out. That's exciting. Hopefully you can sneak under that. It shouldn't, if, if you have a good run that's a fast race, I've got no doubt you won't just sneak under. You'll smash that eight minute barrier. But I'm excited. I've, I'm, um, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but I've definitely got you locked in for a, uh, for a top three position. You're coming back for the Aussie titles? I am. Yeah. I'll be back. I don't know. I've been told to stay away because the smoke's so bad. But, uh, no, I'll be, I'll be home probably end of January. It depends if what races, race opportunities pop up here in America. Um, and it's also a world indoor year. It'd be tough to make the team. I know. Ryan and a few other guys have already, Stewie, have already got the time from last year. So, um, you know, I'll never usually get a shot in with the selectors, but I just have some fun with it and try and, uh, try and run some PBs and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that'll be good. Well, I'll yeah, tell you what, be... your, your form looked bloody good in the, uh, that little clip that I saw today of, of you and Willis running around. What did you guys have on the, on the, uh, uh, the track today? Was that from today, that session? That was. Yeah, it was just Strides Day. So we do two. Two days a week, we do some good fast strides. Uh, it's New Year; it's time to kind of start to get the legs turned over a little quicker. So, you know, the first few stride sessions of the year, pretty much all year, we're always doing strides, keeping that, keeping in contact with our speed, and uh, you know, keeping those hemis alive. So, <laughs> slowly getting a little bit faster now, and um, yeah, kind of slipped into the elevens there. So, we're pretty happy with that at that state, this stage of the year. So what's the story? So you, you you've got an accommod- some accommodation up in Flagstaff. Are you staying with with other athletes? Or have you just got your own little pad decked out? Um, yeah, I was just hanging out with the Willis family for a little bit there, and then uh, found some other people, and yeah, just running a place here at the moment. So um, just another runner in town. It's a pretty big running culture here, so yes, yeah, kind of uh, thought I'd just get over here and see what happens and knew I'd find a place in the end so yeah <laughs> I reckon everyone I, I don't know if you heard but everyone's just got evacuated from Falls Creek over here because of the fire so I reckon you might have a couple of little additional athletes running around who are looking for some uh for some advantage did you hear about that yeah I sure have it's been pretty sad for the people of Gippsland so pretty close to our home area to us so yeah no I I know that um you know the my foothills and kind of the next target area so all my long run areas uh, could be under threat. So, yeah, it's uh, been a tough time. I know a lot of people I went to school with are, are struggling at the moment. So, but yeah, so far, you know, my dad coaches a lot of Gippsland athletes. So, I know a lot of those athletes have been evacuated. But um, so far, it's been good news that none of their houses have been damaged. But um, I know a lot of their neighbours have been so it's a lot of chance and luck when it comes to those situations so yeah keeping them in my thoughts every single minute of the day at the moment yeah well you're you're from Newry, which is further east than than what Trelgan is like how far away are the fires from from the general store there at the moment um so we're kind of in an irrigated area but it was so close to the mountains so you know anything can happen when the dry hot condition is happening at the moment um so currently they're kind of in the foothills surrounding up the top of Bensdale area um, through that area, which is, you know, an hour's drive from Newry. I think my 30th birthday was, you know, two months ago. I was running around those mountains around that area. So I think probably with the wind direction at the moment, you're looking at Dargo area, but you're also straight up, you know, Falls Creek. It's, Creek is kind of like directly above us, a little bit more to the east direction, and there's a few fires around that Mount Howard area. So they could easily drift down to our our valley as well. So, yeah, there's a few different fronts happening. That's the thing. There's so many different fires happening around East Gippsland. It's not just one fire. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting few months, not just days. It's going to be uh, a lot of stress on the 
emergency service workers. Yeah, I tell you what, you'd have a few of those coming out in Newry as well. I reckon there'd be plenty of volunteers from the uh, the small community helping out. But you've, I reckon you've timed it beautifully, Huff, for a training camp to get away to Flagstaff when you have. Because you're right, I uh, I was saying to my, I was saying to Jesse before. I reckon I'll be running in the uh, in the gym this afternoon because even here in Melbourne, like it's a it's a really hazy afternoon. It's quite warm. We were just at the beach. But we were laying on the beach and it looked like it's overcast. But I'm pretty sure the skies yeah. are blue if it wasn't for all that smoke blowing across. But uh, yeah. how, how much longer have you you got to spend to spend at Flagstaff? You're going to spend a good good couple of like a good chunk of time there. Yeah, so I've been up here for three weeks now, so I've got another week. So you usually want to try and spend about four weeks at least, well, three to four weeks at least up at altitude. Um, I I spent a lot of time in Alamosa. I went to Adams State College for a brief period of time, so. I'm able to because I spent probably a good eight-month stretch being up there. So I seem to adapt a little bit quicker than other people to the altitude just because of those times I've spent previously. Um, so, yeah, but I still like to be up here for four weeks. So still one more week to go and only one more kind of key workout and then kind of ease it down a few days next week. You'd almost feel like a local over in the States, I reckon. Eh? You've, you've spent a bit of time there. I don't know, has, has Big Dino spent a little bit of time in the States? Was he at Adam State for a little while as well? Yeah, so my brother was at Adam State, went to Oklahoma Christian briefly and went to Adam State as well. So, yeah, he experienced it. That's why I ended up going to Adam State because, you know, I was 20 years of age and I think I'd ran, I'd ran pretty fast at that age and, my brother was getting, you know, looked after really well and I was getting nothing, couldn't really get a contract or anything in those days. So, um, so yeah, he was living the dream and he's also coaching me. So he was, uh, I was like, mate, i got to get her over and join you because you're getting looked after and he's running a little bit slower at the time. So, yeah, so, so who's I made the move to Adam. Who, who's looking after you now? Have you got, uh, I heard you mention Ronnie before and you, uh, you still got your brother in your ear, no doubt, but who's, uh, who's running your programs for the time being? So, yeah, it's kind of a collaborative effort. Um, I think at my age, you know, I've still kind of got the experience. So kind of working a little bit. Ron sets me a gauge of what I need to do, kind of the targets he wants to me to, like when you know, I think when I was in America last was around September. So I was building into that season, you know, take a few weeks off at the end of the year. And we kind of wrote down the program as I left and, this is what I kind of want you to hit these key little targets, you know, tempo runs, I want you at this speed, this speed. But it's always, always very flexible. Long Ron's got a, a long leash on us as well, so he allows us to, you know, kind of be our own runners. Um, and then Dean kind of oversees the program, tweaks it up. So there's it's kind of a, two different mentor roles. And um, like Ron always says, it's better to have two heads than one. So we're always bouncing off ideas off one another. And also I'm... At my age, I'm starting to learn and understand my body a lot better or what I need and what things. So, you know, we'll always be communicating communicating and tweaking workouts. So also being good in Melbourne. Um, had Jordan Guzman, who's also coached by an American coach with uh, Tim Man Elite. So we've been able to align workouts as well and kind of say, hey, what are you got on today? And kind of work together with our with our sessions, which has been great. Being yeah. able to get a good training partner yeah. in Melbourne. Yeah, I was having a, a chat with a mutual friend of ours, big uh, jocker James O'Connor, a couple of weeks ago, and we were. Um, jocker's funny because he just loves he loves talking about like what we could adjust and what could make training better, and why everyone over in Australia does the exact same training program. And it's interesting that you said that there's a little bit of a um, a, a training partner effect going on with you and Guzman, who trained with Tim Man Elite, because it does seem that like on a. a uh, if you had a good look at the training programs, there's a bit of a difference between the ways that 
what the Americans train and, and what we do here in Australia. Is that how you would say? Like, what would the big differences between the the two different approaches to training be, from what you can tell? Um, so I always think there's more than one way to skin a cat with training, and it's also a little bit of individuality with training. Um, you know, a lot of college environments are very much set in stone. You know, it's just one jigsaw puzzle, and uh, that's probably how the Australians train, and it has worked effectively. I think they kind of developed a model where they wanted to be able to race year in, like every single week, week of the year. So um, while Ron's training is probably a lot more periodized in the structure of his training, uh, we also only do two workouts a week versus sometimes, you know, there might be a, a bit more of a dedicated third session. Um, in comparison to Australia, it's, you know, always kind of that standard structure of training year in, year out. So they can kind of like predict what they're going to do week in from that week. It's going to be the same the next year. So their kind of training doesn't evolve too much, but at the same time, you know, they get results about building the blocks and it's still the same fundamental process. And, you know, Australia has a lot of great, great runners over the years that have, uh, yeah, really put on some good shows. So, um, you know, it's just finding what works for you. I was disappointed the other day, Huff, as much as I want to be happy for you. I just got back from a 20K long run here and um, I don't know if I told you, but I'm getting ready for round two at a marathon. I'm uh, I'm getting fit. I need you to come back and see me now. I'm in a bit of form. I can run faster than five-minute K pace like, <laughs> unlike last time we all caught up. But I, I got home from a 20K run. Ran, uh, I think I was averaging 434s. Uh, I might have come yeah. home in about 3.40 just to try and improve that average. But I, <laughs> yeah, I, I logged on to Strava the day after and saw that you, Willis, and a couple of other guys had just ran 25Ks at 3.56 pace. And yeah, almost, almost hung up the shoes. Like I was I was ready to say goodbye. But is that a, I've seen that on your Strava a couple of times. Like a, I'm always impressed looking at yours and Guzman's long runs. You seem to operate at a, at a quicker pace than than what a lot of the guys over here do. Is that is that something that you, you sort of plan to do, or is that just you boys getting uh, a little bit competitive throughout a run? Uh, not at all. It's kind of like, yeah, it's, it just depends on the type of season, like the the time of the season and what's happening. I usually, because I guess we're only working out twice a week, we use that Sunday run as a little bit more of a workout, but that's not week in, week out. You know, it's if usually I like to structure it, maybe even every third week, depending on how I'm feeling. And it's just one of those things you kind of get in the groove of the running. And it's sort of like another tempo run as such within within your long run. So, yeah, that one was cold. I think it was about negative 10 when we started. So that wasn't a nice day, but it was nice and picturesque. We had to go down the mountain a little bit, so it wasn't quite as impressive as it might have sounded. So I had to go down about 20 minutes down to, the, uh, to escape the snow line. But, um, yeah, just – just using it more of as a progressive long run and keeping the pace up, uh, you know, because sometimes we might be on the flat. And then I like to, you know, maybe that every second week try and jump into the hills and uh, and get back to Newry ever so often so I can hit up some of those old trails and uh, and really grind up the mountains. I do like to finish my long runs actually climbing up the, the top of the hills. So I've got a few secret little spots up in the, uh, in, up in the ranges where I can get some really good, you know, 14, 15-mile runs where you just gradually start out pretty flat and then you're gradually climbing that last 10Ks up to some nice uh, picturesque views, which is really beneficial, I think.
Yeah, and what's the thought behind that? Is that a, a psychological thing where you like to finish with a bit of strength in your legs or you just like the idea of, of closing out a long run like that and a little bit more of a, a harder incline? Well, it's just, yes, yeah, the reason purpose of your long run is, uh, you know, to hit those systems when you start to hit fatigue. So you're going to hit those those fatigue systems and uh, hitting the different energy sources after about 60 minutes. So having to use the hills, that's what a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I don't do speed work, but they'll supplement it with hills, which I think, you know, is speed work. You have to get up a hill at force you to run into good techniques. I was about to ask you, Huff, who else you're over there with? So I know, obviously, just through Instagram that you're doing a little bit of running around with, with Willis, but what, what other athletes have you got up in Flagstaff with you at the moment? Uh, yeah, there's a – you got your video on? I'm just saying, looking at myself at the moment. It's a much better looking um, picture than what – here we go, put me on. There we okay. go. Yeah. It's, it's just like the quality of the uh, of the image down, I reckon. I haven't had a haircut for a while. You're looking sharp. <laughs> looking very Melbourne there. Yeah, I better look sharp. I just got out of a shower and brushed my hair special. There we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's there's so many groups have just got up, especially after Christmas period. So um, I think you've got a few groups from out Boston way. Uh, there's always the group up here. There's the Under Armour group, and then you've got Chez. King Ches who trains here. So there's, you know, you go to the track and then there's, you know, kind of every kind of American distance runner hanging out at the moment here. Um, but we've been mostly kind of working together with uh, Robbie Andrews and Peter Cullen. Uh, Robbie Andrews, pretty famous uh, middle distance runner, the collegiate star. I think he finished fourth or fifth at the World Indoors one year. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great to be in those guys' company. I kind of... Uh, Still a bit starstruck when I'm running with these guys, so yeah, it's nice. I tell you, I'd be. I'm so glad I'm not there. I'd embarrass myself. Just the fact you train with Willis, I get starstruck. I um, I was gonna, I was gonna touch base with you half because uh, I, I was interested just to talk about the last few years. You mentioned, I remember waking up one morning when I was living uh, in Melbourne. You were 20, and I just saw your brother updated status to say you just ran 3:36, and I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, and yeah, you're right. So that was what, ten years ago now, and, and and since then, it's just been a frustrating kind of time with you dealing with injury and coming back. And um, there's still been a few little highlights in there. But but how how would how do you explain those last ten years of just dealing with the frustration, the highs and the lows that come with a sport like distance running? Yeah, it's been incredibly frustrating. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of tough moments. Absolutely, it uh, hasn't been easy at all. Um, I think probably more the mental side has been probably the toughest part, more than the, say, the physical side. But these days I've got a whole new kind of perspective on running. I'm just – it's like a big game to me these days, if anything. Just, uh, just having fun with it. Um, it's interesting, you know, being on the sidelines and, and having this perspective on running. Like, of course, I, you know, I'm a very goal-orientated person, so there's still goals I want to achieve. And I'd love to just get that PB. You know, it'd be nice to run a PB when I'm 20 and then run a PB when I was 30. So, you know, you can't control how fast all the other guys run. So, you know, I don't expect to make teams anymore. And, you know, I've had the bad luck of being on the other side of selectors' decisions and um, and things like that. So, you know, I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of the sport. But uh, at the same time, it's been an unreal experience and still being able to compete still being able to get out there and race these guys and uh and still being able to 
you know, see the world and and still being able to kind of have it as a life has been, uh, is, you know, it's pretty good. So you can't complain about that too much. Yeah. So has it just been something that you've obviously been forced to, to figure out on your way? But have, have you, have you, cause it's, it's funny whenever I run with you, I'm always impressed by the, the fact that you seem to, I even spoke to your brother a couple of months ago and I said, ah, oh, it's just been in, incredible just to see how well you've sort of taken the last 10 years in stride. It seems as though you've just taken it without too many chinks in the armor and too much stress. And he goes, oh, I wouldn't say, you know, it's been completely smooth sailing. Like there's obviously been some, some little struggles along the way, but how, how did you learn to navigate through that time where you, where you, uh, you know, reaching out to coaches and other athletes just to ask how they dealt with it? Cause I, I can't imagine the frustration you felt knowing that you had um, all the potential in the world and you just weren't given the opportunity to, to put it out on the track um, consistently. Yeah. A lot of things go go on behind closed doors, of course. You know, you put on a different mask out in the public public eye. But uh, I've had incredible role models, um, an incredible family that's been quite supportive. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get coached by Ron Warhurst. I remember my dad went to a seminar just in Melbourne. I was in college in America at the time. And... Uh, he come back and it's like if there's any guy I wanted you to be coached by was this guy Ron Warhurst, you know. He's just an incredible person. He like he just it's like this guy can help you, Craig. Not just as a runner, but also his perspectives on other things. And uh, you know, I started reading up more on Ron and you know, the guy's an absolute legend. And so to have a guy like that who has never given up on me, I don't know why. He should have given me up on me ages ago. <laughs> he stuck by me and he keeps on telling me, you've never lost your talent, Craig. It's still there. It's still there. You just got to be patient. And then I've got other, you know, awesome role models in, in Nick Willis and Will Lear who, yeah, of course, superstar runners, but they didn't hit their best until their 30s. So, you know, training with those guys day in, day out, well, probably Australians probably, hit, you know, their peak along a lot earlier, you know, in their early 20s and that seemed to run their best best times. Well, our training group, you know, the results even in the past runners of Ron's have always seemed to be in late developers. Um, not too sure why. Maybe it's the, the training structure of Ron's training. It takes a little while to grasp and uh, and he's always continually kind of like trying, changing up the training so you, you're never getting – content your body's never getting content with just that training um so yeah i've just always had those guys believing in me um and that's why i couldn't ask anything more for people like ron and nick you know they've just been great supporters but also my family um you know they've always said you can do whatever you want and I bet they've always been supportive of my decision to keep on running so um yeah i think that that's helped a lot so, but it always just within, like I said, I'd kind of, uh, I was never like, you know, growing up, video games, I'd, I was never a guy who played FIFA, I was a guy who'd play football manager. So <laughs> I'd be there for the long haul of playing a strategy game and you'd have your wins and your losses, but you'd be in there to uh, create a dynasty long term. So it's essentially just a game for me these days and just yeah. having great. So I just know, I just know like next week I could be injured and that. That's just you just got to smell the roses while it, while it's actually happening. Yeah. So yeah, that's been. It's a fun. Well, it's good fun. I'm healthy, but yeah, but I, things can change. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I've been hit so many times, and uh, 
had that door smash me in the face so many times that, yeah, I know they're coming tomorrow. Yeah, it's a really refreshing perspective to have. And I think I mentioned to you on a, a long run a couple of weeks ago that one thing that surprised me so much was um, when I finished running in 2013, it was a sport that like my whole life revolved around and I, I had big dreams and, um, and maybe not quite the talent to be able to uh, run at the level that I dreamed of running at, but I had big dreams and um, was, was doing everything I could or everything I knew how, whether it was training or diet or exercise, gym and recovery and um, it, it's funny how big that world can seem when you're, you're just so engulfed by it. And it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective at the moment because I feel like it, it's very similar to the, the perspective shift that I had when I got out of the sport. I was like, oh, my gosh, like I can't believe I put so much hope and, and not energy, but just so much hope and so much of my identity based on how fast I, I ran around a track. And it's, it's, it's almost freeing, actually. Like it, it sounds like it would be freeing for you to have that perspective to – picture it as a game rather than an expectation that you have to reach a, a certain goal or a certain team has it has it been sort of refreshing for you to obviously not as you're going through it and learning that that's a perspective that's helpful to take but to be on the other side of the trials and go okay it's a big game and it can end at any time um may as well make the most of it while we can yeah i think so yeah definitely different perspective but i say that there's you know i still have goals there's uh you have to have goals when you're a runner um, or anything in life. You've got to have something to keep on driving you forward. So there is always that, but uh, that there's always going to be disappointment, but that just makes the good times better. Um, and I guess, yeah, so many people have dropped out of running over the years, especially, I guess, being here in America where sports seen as a, a business. So as soon as they don't have a contract, it's like, well, I can't run anymore. And I'm just like, yeah, you can. <laughs> Going and buying a pair of running shoes and uh, getting out the door and, uh, and training away. So um, I probably have a little bit of a different training structure now because I have to work. But also due to my injuries, I only train once a day. I don't do doubles. Um, I'm still getting in good mileage, but uh, I've just had to adapt more to a different lifestyle. But maybe that's keeping me more healthy. Um, and maybe that's helping my results. I don't know. But yeah, you know, beforehand, I always thought I got to train. If I train harder, I had a lot of self belief in my talent, but I always thought, you know, if I train harder than everyone else with my talent, then I'll beat everyone. It's interesting, isn't it, Half? It's one thing that I noticed as I got older that uh, just staying injury free is almost a, a talent in itself. But man, I, uh, I'm, I'm really interested just to talk about how your perspective on, you know, how much time and energy you're committing to your running has changed is that something that uh, you know just growing up and uh, changing your hobbies and habits and you know getting a job has sort of helped you with has that helped you uh, with the prioritizing the planning of your running and just seeing it for um for what it is yeah it's just because i work these days so i've got the afternoons free it's just like i get out there in the morning get my work done and then i can think about other things in the afternoon it's not about running i'm not absorbed about running 24 not that I've never really been like, like I, I love the the running world in the sense of, um, you know, trying to develop, especially coaching. I enjoy the coaching now, helping out a lot of Gippsland kids. But um, never really been absorbed too much by other runners and what they're doing and, you know, how fast they're running and all the egos and inflation of that. It's never been my real thing. So, But at the same time, it's not like I'm self-absorbed about 
what I've got to do for training, what I've got to do. I've got to get myself ready for this this session. It's like I got my morning dedicated to my training, and then after that, I can just focus on work and um and get myself, you know, just worry about that, and then have a good night's sleep, and then all right, I got to get myself ready for training again. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of like two split days in one. Yeah. So when do you reckon that mind shift, or, or that mind shift, sort of started to? Um, to to change was that just sort of midway through your injuries and dealing with that that you started to realize okay this is a, a frustrating thing because I know uh, having your whole world just be that distance run it can add like a, a unrealistic pressure on you, you to have to perform and you're always a good performer um, when you were when you were healthy it was one of the things that you could pretty much guarantee like someone like Stuart McSwain when you stood on the start line you were going to run well. Um, but what kind of things did you start implementing? So work was one of them and, uh, were there a few other hobbies and things that you did to take your mind off the sport or was it just something that naturally happened as you, as you started to spend less time, you know, on the training track and on the racetrack? Something really naturally just happened. So throughout my time, I always was studying. Even when I moved to Michigan, I moved outside the, I was only, I went to university straight after High school was in Australia for that and then moved to Adam State and was studying there. And then even when I finished there, I only went to Adam State for a year. But after that, I was still studying even Michigan um, part-time via correspondence. So I always had something else I was doing. I've never just been purely running, running. But uh, I think, yeah, once work started, you know, it took more of a priority. And um, there was a phase there which, yeah, I didn't really – take too much to running I still did it and still stayed healthy like I said I had the surgeries so I always had to get myself back after that and so I don't know probably even just the last six months that I've really just started to focus just okay I'm just going to start doing singles and then if I'm healthy I'll have a race and that's just how it's panned out so yeah it wasn't like something I just said all right today I'm going to change that and going to do that it's just something that's just evolved like that it's working yeah, it's interesting. One one question that I get asked more than any other by people who aren't involved in the running scene that I can completely understand is like, what gets you out the door? And I, I know from a personal perspective, just that feel of those odd days where you hit a little bit of a flow state, it just feels nice to run around. You get home and there's no other feeling like it. Like if you put it in tablet form, it'd, it'd be illegal. So uh, what, what do you reckon it is that that kept you getting out the door and running uh, even through those injured times? Because I remember when I first met you, I reckon you were 12 years old and that's a, you're a pretty early taker to the sport. So to to have the uh, the time spent in a sport like running that you, you have, there's obviously something about it that, you know, really fires you up. Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, grew up in a cricket family. So we're mad cricketers. When I was young, I was playing, when I was five years of age, I was playing under 12s cricket. <laughs> um I was just thrown in the deep end with cricket. But uh, so sport was part of my life. But I also just started doing last at under six and always had, you know, you know, success happened straight away. I was always pretty talented. So that kind of running identity quickly followed my name within the area. And uh, I guess that was one of the tough things, you know, running become what I was. Uh, but especially when, you know, you have the bad times and you are seen as just the runner Craig. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those – when you talk about, oh, what, what makes you want to go for a run, I wouldn't say I'm someone who's 
this running crazy person who wants to just loves running. I think it's because I want to see how fast I can go. It's not like I'm like if I see someone running down the street, this might be a controversial thing to say on a relaxed running podcast. I'm like, I do like look at him like, why would you be doing that? And they're like, hey, that's what I do. <laughs> it's just like one of those things that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's that competition side. It's that drug of competing and in, in competing and, uh, you know, the adrenaline buzz of getting out there. And you realize you've got to sacrifice a little bit to actually get to that moment of actually racing. And when you do have that successful race, there is, it's like a high like no other. So, um, yeah, that's what you're kind of building up to the whole time. It's been a long time since I've kind of had that. But, yeah, well, I guess Hawaii was a pretty good moment. And like, hey, I'm back here. So, yeah. Man, that was huge. Who were you second in that race? Was that the one you finished second at? Uh, sorry, the last race in Hawaii. And yeah, yeah. No, I was like, it was a cool race. So they have it before Honolulu Marathon, the day before. So they just have like a exhibition style mile race. Well, actually, the public have a big mile race the day before, just whoever wants to jump in. So I think it was close, to maybe four thousand people, and then. You know, the pat the streets are kind of on Wakiki Beach are packed. Honolulu Marathon treats you like royalty. Really cool race. And um they actually give the women's elite field twenty eight twenty eight or thirty second head start. And so the boys have got to chase them down. And uh Chez Edward Trezorek, who's always in great form at this time of year and I think he's won about the last three of them. So he's pretty much the king of Hawaii now. Um he ran like 3.53, absolutely blitzed it. And there's a, uh, you know, a pinpoint turn halfway during the race as well, which pretty much puts you to a stop. So I kind of just started out pretty slow and didn't quite catch the uh, the first girl that uh, Ches did. And then there was another Kenyan, I think, went to world champs just in about 3.56. And then there was another girl and then it was me. Well, it was actually a tight finish. They actually gave the place to the other person but we're seeing the photo finish and i was fourth there's <laughs> <laughs> something about that yeah that's that's great man that sounds like a cool concept as well the idea i'm sure um having 10 girls to chase down no wonder you ran 357 i'm not i'm surprised you didn't run 355 actually with that setup yeah <laughs> but i don't know how happy well, Kelly... i wanted to stay with them at the end <laughs> Such a humble man. I um, I, I love. I don't know how happy Kelly Slater would be with the fact that Chez has taken the 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 claim as king of king of Hawaii. Yeah, no, he definitely has. A good effort. What a king. Yeah. No, that's unreal. Went down to North Shore after the race and checked out the surfing. But yeah, yeah he's definitely lost his crown. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Was that the race you ran in Hawaii last year? Yeah, I ran it last year. I think I was about four oh six. So I'm oh improving. my gosh. Uh, maybe, yeah, 404, 406, yeah. So I'm on the way up. Here we go. Dude, no doubt about it. Honestly, you're just giving me more confidence in uh, – I, I said it loud and proud the other day on the pod. I'm just, I'm just really emphasizing this point so that when you do make the team, I can play that back on all my social media and say, mate, I know my athletes. I know when a bloke's going to run really well. It sounds like a – with that progression, you'll be running 347 there next year. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> So, uh, so what other races you got planned? You're retired, mate. Next year, it might be more like a <laughs> 907. <laughs> word, word on the street is there's a few big sponsors looking at you. I reckon you'll be, I reckon you'll be back on top with a real big deal, 
and uh, you'll hit your peak at 37. How old was Leggett when Leggett was still running 329 at like 49, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think he might be 50 now. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been, yeah, he's he's decent age now. So Nick's kicking up there as well. But uh, yeah, so Nick's still beating me. Is he? How's his form? What? How old's Nick now? Is he uh, 36, 37? I should know that really. I just uh, I don't really want to know his age though. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because it'll it'll throw away your confidence a little bit. Yeah, it's my own market. Yeah. <laughs> I um, man, I like the I like it when I see your name on a road model as well because I reckon you've had some 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 huge miles. What was it, two thousand and twelve at at Fifth Mile Avenue? I think it was what Lagat, Centruitz, and Manzano were the only ones who finished ahead of you. You ran three fifty three. Yeah. I think Gregson was behind you that day. Like it was a it was a huge run. It was. Is there something about the roads? What is it that gets you going so quick on there? I mean, you've run 336 on the track as well, in fairness. It's not just the roads, but, I mean, there's a couple of real standout ones on the roads that uh, you can't ignore. I do like um, it would be good if there was more races in the roads, taking the events to the public. Get looked after better too. You don't have all these other events sharing all your prize money, so it's purely about the mile, and uh, which is truth. Let's face the truth, half the people who come to the races are there for the mile. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <laughs> the reality is supply and demand. So, um, yeah, no, I do like the road mile. Uh, they do look after you better. But, yeah, for some, some reason, uh, maybe it's I don't have to run as, around as many bends. So I'm a bit worried about this indoor race. I think I've got a, I've got a lot of bends to go around to this 3,000 metres. 